This episode is part one of the Curse of Strahd mini-series where I review Curse of Strahd and talk about it from a game master and player perspective. There will be some spoilers, so consider yourself warned and enjoy the mini-series. If you're enjoying these episodes, first I want to thank you for your listenership. Your support means the world to me. And for those of you who are just tuning in to the podcast, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and after this episode, leave us an honest review. Hopefully, it's a five-star review, but leave us an honest review. Your reviews actually help me um, gauge what you all want in the audience, but your reviews, especially when they're a five-star, help the channel grow. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave that review. Hey, folks. So you've heard me talk about Curse of Strahd on various episodes, various shows even, and I absolutely love it. I love the lore behind it. I think it's a great game. I think that there is a lot of meaning to the fact that it has spanned the time and really the um, the antiquity of Dungeons and Dragons. I think it's one of those books that has a very rich history behind it, and therefore it stood the test of time within the gaming community. And it's one of those books that not a lot of people talk about. And it's a it's a weird reason why. I think a lot of people uh, may or may not like it just because of some of the racial things that have happened. Which again, that's why Wizards of the Coast produced a newer edition of Curse of Strahd to kind of combat that and to kind of adjust and, and, and give it uh, a different meaning but also to look at things in a different light, maybe, you know, the appropriate light, so to speak. But in today's episode, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Curse of Strahd, what it is as a book, what you need to know if you're going to run Curse of Strahd, everything from what the book actually is to what the story is, and finally, what you need to do to be aware of it. So without further ado, let's dive deep into this. Curse of Strahd is a 254-page book, okay? It is a full-color hardcover, and it retails for about $50, you know, give or take taxes in your area, or, you know, um, obviously, like, shipping costs if, you, if you're getting it shipped. If you're going through Amazon, it's going to be a lot cheaper, but it's about $50 retail, and it is includes a lot of great material it includes a double-sided poster map so on one side of the map it actually features a large-scale map of the demiplane or pocket dimension of barovia which i'll get into that in a little bit and then the other it features um certain page sized maps of other locations within the game now curse of strahd um, obviously, as a collector's piece, is one of those things that every dungeon master, every player um, who's planning on running this game should have in their collection. It is a re-imaging of the classic Ravenloft adventure. Um, the, the original adventure was released in 1983. Uh, actually, the original designers, fun fact of the module, Tracy and Laura Hickman, they served as uh, creative consultants for Curse of Strahd. So for the old school gamers out there, it come it's a almost a it's paying homage to the original creators. And for the new players out there and for the new dungeon masters, this is really great. This means that the people 
that actually created Ravenloft and made that adventure are coming, you know, came back as consultants to talk about Curse of Strahd. So there's a, a lot of rich history in that, but there's a lot of uh, continual or continuity rather, that'd be the better word. And with Curse of Strahd, it is going to be that goth horror classic that you saw in Ravenloft and in today. The module, as you may know, obviously coming from a little Ravenloft adventure to this big, uh, big, you know, almost, I would almost say a sub, uh, sub part of the D&D culture. This module grew to actually have a sequel in AD&D, you know, first edition and whatnot. Um, and, and basically it was an entire campaign setting in uh, second edition and an OGL campaign setting. And then it obviously like received a, a sequel in 3.5, but that sequel was centered around Strahd. Now, you all might be wondering, who the hell is Strahd? Who is this person named Strahd? You know, are they, are they like a, you know, are they the main big bad evil person? Are, are they uh, an NPC that is helping you out? Well, Strahd is a vampire. And much like Dracula in its origin, Strahd basically had a, a, a bit of a Dracula like origin, excuse me, and essentially, you know, lost love and traded their soul for, you know, all that kind of Dracula like stuff. And now they rule over Castle Ravenloft. And Castle Ravenloft is essentially their home, but the area that Castle Ravenloft resides in and the nearby areas, is within Barovia. So if you remember, kind of like, this is a bit of a side tangent, but it actually helped me out. To use an analogy, if you all saw the recent live-action movie of Cinderella, um, in Cinderella, If you all recently saw the live-action movie of Beauty and the Beast, where in the beginning, in the prologue, so to speak, there is the story, the recounting of how the beast, or the prince, or whatever, became the beast, and how this, you know, witch, or sorceress, whatever you want to say, enchanted that area, enchanted that land, and made... The people around forget of that land and forget about that area. So if you watch the movie, it's there's a part in it where the land almost becomes this, it really becomes a pocket dimension. It becomes its own place where the people around it forget who and how that area came to be, but they're not even aware of the location. And they don't even have a clue or a memory of the people in that area so it almost becomes its own hidden dimension or area without people actually knowing it and being in their quote-unquote backyard that's kind of the same thing with Barovia in Barovia Castle Ravenloft which again kind of at the center of Barovia in the regards of the story everything when he took over it became a pocket dimension his dark magic made it into a pocket dimension, so to speak. And, and again, it's, you know, that's it may not be 100% um, the origin, right? Obviously, Tracy and Laura Hickman may have thought, 
you know, may have had other ideas when designing and thinking of the design, but essentially when you read it, it's like Barovia came its own pocket dimension when Strahd came into power. So that's a really cool analogy to think, and that's a really cool storytelling uh, and world building key that we'll use later, and I'll explain later in the episode. But Strahd in his castle acts more like a warden with prisoners, right? He be, He's a warden and the people are prisoners. That is why people don't really leave. People don't really come in there unless fate has it so, which again, that I'll get into later. One thing though that I want to mention about Curse of Strahd is that it stands out from any of the Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition adventures, campaign books, and really anything that's out there right now that's official D&D product. I say that because at the moment, most of the games are sword and sorcery, right? They have that sword and sorcery flair, that uh, magic and potions, and I'm going to, you know, use prestidigitation or whatever it's called. I probably just mispronounced it, so I, I apologize. But I'm going to use this spell to do this. I'm going to use thaumaturgy to do this. Do all these kind of loud, boisterous, fun, magic things. In Curse of Strahd, Curse of Strahd is a horror. It's a, really, it's a goth horror setting. So the typical flair and lightheartedness that you see in Dungeons & Dragons campaigns is not really present in Curse of Strahd. So on a basic level, it means that the horror staples and like creatures, the eternal gloom, um, you know, the visits to decrepit mansions, so to speak, instead of dungeons are very present. On a low-key level, as, as the kids like to say, the social act, interaction and roleplay opportunity is a little bit more prevalent. There's more plotting and planning because as a party, you have to plot and plan. You have to really kind of think about what you're going to do and you have to think, well, whatever you say is going to affect the game and the story. And there's really less detective work because you don't know... Um, what will happen in the future. It's one of the only modules that players, whatever they say and whatever they do in the module, at the end of the game will actually have a huge deciding factor. And I like that. I really do like that about this game. In addition, though, Curse of Strahd takes the real, you know, the first real step besides Eberron and whatnot to actually go outside of the Forgotten Realms. Mind you, Curse of Strahd came out way before Eberron, way before, um, you know, Wildmount, way before any of, you know, even um, some of these other lands that we're going into in the future, Guilds of Ravnica and Theros, all that cool stuff. This is way before that. So this was really the first book, first setting outside the Forgotten Realms. And the whole, oh, this is how you arrive to Barovia little thing, it does tie to the realms through, you know, certain factions and certain things. But once you're in Barovia, that's pretty much it. You don't go anywhere else until, you know, the end of the adventure. 
With that being said, what is Curse of Strahd in the regards of running the game, right? To quote a lot of folks out there, a lot of people are either sandbox or free range. You know, they, they're, they're either or. So I'm going to talk about the pros and cons a little bit, talk to you about my opinions. And again, all this is my opinion on the fact that I, I do love this game, so I'm trying not to be biased, but all this is my opinion. So that disclaimer out there. Curse of Strahd is definitely a sandbox. It is, you know, it's more of a sandbox than any really other previous campaigns, even out of the abyss, which it's, you know, that was that was pretty sandboxy as well. But Curse of Strahd is more, it's a heavy sandbox game. The whole campaign takes place in a very small region. It, you know, it and it does make it easy for characters to travel to wherever, you know, whatever tickles their fancy, so to speak. And they do need to visit some of these locations more than once, obviously, to take the full advantage of the game. And the characters can explore that area. But if you've heard me say this before, where I've talked about using a module to in between your homebrew campaign, your players, once they are in Barovia, they can, I would seriously doubt, they cannot you know, plane shift out of there. They can't dimension door, whatever. They cannot escape Barovia, <clears throat> excuse me, until they solve the mystery or the tale, whatever you want to call it, of Curse of Strahd. Or, you know, that whole adventure thing. So, you can't really get out of there. Now, there is flexibility in the placement of certain plot elements, so that's really nice. That is very nice to have as a dungeon master where you can have a little bit of that freedom. You know, obviously you could you can kind of alter some of the locations. For example, you know, the identity of an NPC ally or uh, treasure locations. You can, you can alter that. Um, you can actually alter the site of the final confrontation with Strahd. It doesn't have to be castle ravenloft you can you know you can kind of alter that um so it doesn't have fixed locations but they're actually it's more dedicated like to the dungeon master but it also has like a tarot card reading that the npc does for the characters so with that being said there are dozens of randomized options for treasure locations and, you know, NPCs and, and, and all that other stuff based upon those, you know, readings. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you could theoretically use that, um, that link, that um, plot hook, so to speak, quote-unquote. Maybe that item, that plot point, whatever, fill in the word, fill in the blank to alter certain things in your game so that if you run it multiple times it can be different every time you run it with that sandboxing nature to the campaign it does have its ups and downs luckily curse of Strahd does come in handy um, with certain tools it does have a suggested uh, appropriate quote-unquote level for each section so <clears throat> excuse me it does make the dungeon master's life a lot easier. Now, there is a fine line to be walked, but forcing the PCs in this game isn't, you know, 
like forcing the PCs into that level appropriate place. That's something that, you know, in my personal opinion, that's something that is, it, again, it kind of feels a little controlling. However, for good measure, there's a reason why they recommend that the players are a certain level. I mean, I remember, you know, my own example in case. I was playing with my group back in the day, and we encountered Strahd for the first time. And a player went to swipe at him, and, you know, they they were acting accordance with their character, and about died. Like, we had to heal this person and dip spells to heal that person. And we went into another location where we were not, <clears throat> excuse me, we were not ready for this. We were not ready for this encounter. And we pretty much, we escaped a TPK. So I can see where the DMs are encouraged to really really be cautious about letting their players enter areas that are, you know, capped at a certain level. It feels very video game-like because, as we know, some video games restrict areas or we know are harder and you should be a certain level so that you can actually, you know, encounter whatever is in that area. So, again, it's a little, it, it is a little controlling in that regard and it, but the deep but again the book does encourage that so for good reason and it rewards that type of behavior as well and speaking on rewards rewards in the campaign are pretty nice so one again and one of the pros to this if you you know you know one of the pros i would say to those folks who enjoy treasure and enjoy those type of, you know, kind of item gratification, as I like to say, the rewards in this campaign are nice, and they can be really high. But, from a Dungeon Master perspective, it requires the DM to put a little bit more effort to steer the party in that way. So, again, pros and cons, right? First, pro or con, depending on what you like, the game is a sandbox even down to the fact of treasures and locations it's a sandbox you're going to be heavily guided so if the dungeon if you like to be guided by your dungeon master this is going to be great if you don't care this is going to be great if you do care and you don't like to be guided or if you don't like to be kind of controlled within an area you you may not enjoy it as much so that's really the first pro right there is that sandbox control aspect. If you like it, you might not like it. Or if you like to if you like that, you're gonna love this. From there, we're gonna go into the length. Okay. So Curse of Strahd is uh, level one through ten. It is really, it's honestly larger than some of the campaign books that were out when this was published. You know, obviously, you know. 2020 we've seen uh frost maiden coming out in october i believe uh we've seen a bunch of other cool books coming out 
or um, adventures in Wild Mount. You know, we, we've seen a bunch of cool stuff that's come out in the past year or so. But Curse of Strahd is actually um, a pretty a pretty big 5e campaign book, right? It's 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 got I think Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat were pretty compact comparatively, but Curse of Strahd covers levels one through ten. Ver, you know, and obviously like Dungeon of the Mad Mage like covered like one through twenty, but from a story perspective, like this covers one through ten. And I mean, the first two levels are really kind of its own introductory adventure, right? Um, that's really one of the pro factors, I think. The fact that you can take characters one through, you know, levels one through ten, and if they make it out all right, you can continue a homebrew adventure. In my mind, what I would do, because I I like to plan my games long term, I would use. Curse of Strahd as a fun and unique session zero. What do I mean by that? If you're going to be playing with your party for a long time, right? If, if this is the adventuring group that you all um, kind of play with on a regular basis and you are DMing for, you know, this round, right? Let's say that you y'all just finished a campaign and it's your turn to DM. I would play Curse of Strahd, go through levels 1 through 10, and that's your quote-unquote session 0. And right when you finish the session, if everything... Because again, people can die here. People could die. People, Something can happen to the party. Well, if other, you know, if other characters hop in... If other players hop in to the game, you have this really, really rich story of how the party got together, fought this, you know, crazy vampire lord, and now are adventuring out on their own. That would be a really, really great world building introduction right? Because you're building the world, you're creating these stories with a party that has already had adventures and see how that previous adventure affects your homebrew world. That's what I would do, especially with the length of this book. And I think that is a major pro. I don't, I don't really even see a negative impact to that. So we got two pros and maybe one con right now to, to this adventure story. But this is that's one of the beautiful things about Curse of Strahd. Curse of Strahd has a long, rich history that can they can lean into to make a large campaign guide or a campaign book rather. It can take you through you know, levels 1 through 10. So even if you're a new dungeon master or new to being a game master, whatever it may be, you can take those players 1 through 10. It walks you through it on how to do it and what to do. And it's enough time, though, to still have plenty of, um, plenty of leeway at the end of the of the series or at the end of the campaign rather to play with where you can run a homebrew right after whatever it may be 
So I really like that aspect of it. And that, and I think honestly, that's because of the plot. So going on to the plot point of it, you know, it's, this is where I would usually talk about a plot and I would talk to you specifically what the plot is. But the nature of Curse of Strahd makes it very difficult for me to talk about it because the plot itself is hella simple, okay? For some reason, the characters, your players, are drawn into the land of Barovia. From there, they have to gather intel, they have to make allies, they have to, you know, gain certain treasures, certain items and artifacts, until they're able to defeat, you know, Strahd. That's it. Now, this is the buggy part. And I say buggy because it makes me feel, you know, there's not really the, you know, oh, we have victory. Yay. Because, spoiler alert, Strahd can temporarily be defeated. Okay. Strahd is cursed. And this is where Curse of Strahd comes in. When you defeat Strahd, you break the curse, quote-unquote, freeing Barovia and the people of Barovia from his rule. It permits you, as the PC, to leave if you choose, okay? For a campaign, it's, you know, usually... It's about characters going from point A to point B, one objective to the other. But in this case, the plot is a little bit different. You, as a player character, can try to escort all the um, NPCs out of there. But because of the curse of Strahd, a lot of those people are stuck in that demiplane. They're just stuck there. If, and you know, you, you might say, well, wait a minute, how does that work? Well, it's kind of freaky because it's it really uses that I'm going to have balance in my game type theory, right? So for example, if, some, if an NPC were to theoretically die in Curse of Strahd, there's a child being born in Curse of Strahd, right? So in Barovia, if, if, if someone dies of old age, then they're reincarnated and born as a child, you know, as a baby. That's part of the Curse of Strahd. No one can leave and no one can get out. For some reason, you can get the NPCs out. You can try but for you know something will happen that they will be replaced either by new people who get drawn to Barovia or you know they die and, and they go back i don't you know it, it just depends and it depends on the dm or the dm's perspective but that whole that's the whole premise of the curse hence curse of strahd yes you can kill strahd but he'll come back he, it will only be temporary. That is his, you know, that's his cross to bear, so to speak, of he 
is he he is chained to Barovia. He can never leave Barovia. And that's where the goth horror aspect comes into play. That is where the doom and gloom that I spoke about earlier, that is where kind of the misery of the campaign comes into play. So that is a really big, um, that's a really big point. And, and that's really one of those pros or con, you know, pro con aspect that even if you play, obviously after listening to this episode, you're probably going to want to play more to experience it. You're definitely going to have a great experience if you play it, but just be warned that that is, you know, at the end of it all, that may be a big, you know, something that you want to consider, especially as a dungeon master, right? Dungeon masters, we are storytellers, but we are world builders. If that's how you want to start your campaign and your and your setting and your really your DM history or experience, it's a great setting to do it. Um, but it, it's again, it could be a little bit you know dreadful. It could be that doom and gloom mystery that yeah, there's some lighthearted events in it, but it's it's kind of few and far between in my opinion. So. Pro or con, that's something you might want to look forward to and you might want to think about. Moving along from there, the last thing I'm going to talk about, and honestly, I'm going to probably make this a two, uh, a multi-part series uh, for the podcast and, and maybe a, even a video series to come up as well. The last thing I'll say for this video is going to be more technical, right? So dungeon masters out there, this is what I would highly recommend you do. First and foremost, you're going to want to use milestones for leveling. I know I've talked about experience points and all this other stuff, but right now for this, use milestone because milestone is based upon obviously the role play perspectives and all that other good stuff. There's, it's going to be really hard to assign experience points in this regard. So, because there's, you know, the actual number of monsters defeated in, if you're taking it encounter or session you know, section, excuse me, by uh, section by section versus, you know, encounter by encounter, the amount of monsters may not be that great during a certain section. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. And plus the book actually doesn't even give specific experience points or experience rewards uh, for any non-combat problem solving. So it's not even worth even uh, worrying about. So with that being said, go ahead and just focus on milestones. Um, personally, some of the things that I would obviously look for is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I would highly recommend that you keep this in mind. The designers who were, you know, very, they were very good about this. But they also, I don't think, saw, you know, and this happens with every game designer, we create things and we say, ah, we could have done this better or this could have been done differently. Um, the book has basically 13 locations. I don't think the designers intended that each of the 13 locations provide a milestone, okay? So some of the shortest chapters, though, in the book is noted as a specific possible milestone. So <clears throat> when I mean that they didn't intend for this to happen, 
or they didn't even think about this. I believe that in the book, they weren't thinking, oh, every location has to have a milestone event happening. Or, you know, 10 out of the 13 locations need to have a milestone area or a level or an area where they can level up, you know, the players. Which it's good because they're being more holistic about the game. But what's bad is that it makes it a little harder for the dungeon master. So what I would recommend and, and, and suggest is that you would, as you're reading through it, have those plot points, have those um, really those milestone leveling opportunities centered around the the goal, right? Which is to gather information, gather allies, and gather those three treasure um, items, so to speak, those three magic items that you need to defeat Strahd. So, you know, part one to the leveling, focus it around gathering allies. Part two, focus it around the detective work and gathering information. And part three, which then is three subparts, so to speak, is gathering those magic items. That way, what you do when you scatter that around and you kind of randomize it, it feels more like a, oh, you just gathered this intelligence and had a really good role-playing session. Awesome. Level up. And then next time, oh, you know, we're going to fight these monsters or creatures. Okay, cool. You're going to do that and maybe that causes you to level up. Or maybe you as a party the next session say, oh, I'm just going to explore this area and keep it light. So you keep it light and you kind of are able to gauge it and be really flexible. Again, one of the other pros about this book. The book, does, even though it's sandboxing, does offer a lot of flexibility to the dungeon master. But as my kind of you know, dungeon master tip, game master advice that I would give, I would obviously say use, you know, to kind of recount um, what I just said, use milestones to level up, but divide those milestones into the different subparts and sections of the adventure. So that way it's not like, oh, milestone or mild, milestone, excuse me, I can't speak for some reason. <laughs> use a milestone um, for levels one, two, three, four, five, take a break, and then, you know, the rest of the game. It kind of gets a little bit choppy in that regard. I, that's why I like to, if I'm going to run this game, I'd like to spread out those opportunities. And that's pretty, you know, and from a technicality perspective, I would say that um, if the players do end up getting you know, if they level up quicker than expected, um, then you might want to add or you might want to consider delaying some of the end game activities. Now, again, I don't want to spoil it, but you may want to first read the adventure kind of cover to cover and take notes, you know, while you read it almost like a homework assignment so that you could kind of see what you would do, what you would do differently, and, and to kind of plan for that. Because as we know, players, you know, I've done this myself, we like to explore, We and, and we're not predictable. Players are not predictable, so be prepared for that. Obviously, at the end of the day, 
I I believe that every dungeon master, you know, if you're listening to this or every player who whatever, when you're sitting down, you're listening to this episode if or, you know, you're listening and reading whatever it may be, um, watching it on a video on demand later in, in life. Either way, when you sit down, right, and you think about Curse of Strahd, especially from a progressive level of gaming, that you would want to say, okay, this is what the outline of Curse of Strahd is going to be. So it's going to be, you know, the characters coming into Barovia, the characters, you know, what their expected path may be, and then arrange the content in that regard. Arrange it in a way where it's going to be um, kind of rudimentary in that regard. So that's going to conclude part one of this series. I am going to break it up into other parts just because this book is such a, you know, again, it's a big book. It is a great campaign series. So this is, you know, this video or this um, podcast, however you're viewing it, is going to be part one uh, focusing on kind of the introduction to it and some of the DM tips that you need to go in looking into this, right? If you're playing this for the first time, this is, you know, this episode is going to be great. I would actually, you know, not just saying it because it's the podcast. If you're going to play this game or if you know someone who's going to play this for the first time, this episode is going to be what they want to hear first because it gets them comfortable with the setting, but it gets them thinking, ah, okay, this is what I need to be prepared for. The other parts, you know, hopefully it's going to be, you know, maybe two or three more parts. I'm going to go through each chapter um, or a couple of chapters at a time. I haven't decided yet. And we're going to talk about what each chapter contains. So until next time, y'all, keep gaming. Thank you.